Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? Yeah, you know me. Down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. I'm down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? Are you ready to get down with some D&D? I know I am, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by the Machiavellian, Marvelous, and not very melancholy today, Mad Wizard Merwin. What's up, Sean? I am wide awake. Me too. On this glorious Saturday morning. It is glorious, right? A glorious sort of fall day? Yeah. I will take it. Uh, well, we're going to get our, our kicks in with some Acquisitions Incorporated, but first, let's do some announcements, right? Yes. Uh, real quick, first thing. So Fandom, that's the company that makes D&D Beyond. They have acquired the rights to a role-playing game known as Cortex Plus. Um, Cortex is the engine that uh, fuels games like Leverage and uh, Firefly and Smallville. And am I missing anything else? They're, they're the supernatural role-playing game. There's a few, a lot of, a lot of uh, property games. What what does the Marvel superheroes game? That one, think? that one too. Okay, that's what I thought. Marvel heroic role-playing. Yep. Um, also, if you're interested in stuff like that, you should check out the the Greater Than Games Sentinels of the Multiverse. It's sort of like a spiritual successor to that that game. Yep. yep. And it's really yeah. good. Yeah, and this is interesting to D and D folks because you know fandom is obviously a larger entity that just owns D&D Beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, but so far, D&D Beyond has been, you know, full in with D&D, right? Um, yes. It's it's a, an incredible tool. Lots of partnerships going on there. Um, it's interesting to see what they will do, what fandom will do with that, and how, um, you know, how D&D Beyond will change, if at all, you know, based on that. Honestly, if I was fandom, I wouldn't even mess with the D&D Beyond thing, except maybe putting some, some redirects to a new website that's like Cortex Plus or whatever, like Cortex yeah. Beyond or whatever they want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 very interesting. Or Beyond Cortex. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so that's that. And our second thing is uh, we're going to talk about a new Unearthed Arcana article, Eloquent Heroics, which is a new bard in a new paladin um subclass mm-hmm. yeah isn't it great how we've gotten six within the last i don't know two months that just means that sometime next year we're getting a new book with player options you would think that uh and i also noted on twitter yesterday that uh you know wizards hired dan Dillon a while back and as soon as they did that i was waiting for something like this to happen and i don't know anything about the business there but I assume what happened was they put Dan on stuff that was, you know, on the front burner right away when he when he joined. And now they've gotten him doing what they hired, probably hired him to do, which is things like this. Yeah, probably. I would I would imagine that's what happened. This looks like Dan Dillon design. Yep. I I would say so. Which is really good, actually. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is really good. I have I have very few quibbles. I, we've had very few quibbles with these recent on Unearthed Arcana articles yeah. like yep i think this one will probably be no different yeah so uh, let's talk about it. so the first one is the bard it's the college of eloquence and this is about an oration bard we fi- finally can there's finally oratoriness that is out there yes um so that's really what it's all about it's about speaking so mm-hmm. at third level you get two abilities you get universal speech and soothing words so uh, let's start with universal speech so it it requires a bonus action, and then you have to spend a use of your bardic inspiration. 
then you roll your inspiration die, mm-hmm. and a number of creatures within 60 feet of you can now understand you as long as they speak a language. Yep. Uh, what do you What do you think about it? And you have advantage on uh, charisma checks to influence them. Oh, I I missed that part. Yep. And and I'm cool with that. Uh, I think it's nice. I think it's you know fun, flavorful, balanced. I think it's all those things. Uh, the only thing I would do is, I don't know, maybe instead of the you know instead of rolling the die to see how many creatures you can influence. Um, just say you can influence a certain number of creatures or one creature and then give that uh, bardic die uh, that you roll as a bonus to your charisma checks. Out of curiosity, can I ask why you think that would be a better way to put it together? For me, you know, affecting a number of creatures with a with a D8 die or a D6 die or you know whatever die you're rolling is very swingy and it doesn't make sense to me that you know you're you've got five creatures in front of you and it's maybe you could talk to all of them or maybe you could talk to only one based on this magic um i would rather see it you can affect a certain number so you always know what the ability is going to do but how much you're able to influence them is is randomized a bit if that makes any sense yeah, it makes sense yeah i mean that's a, that's it's a fairly i, I find that to be a, a, a very good argument like, yeah uh, and i you know it's i don't think it's bad the way it is i don't think it's necessarily even better the way i would do it, it just for me design wise um if i was playing the character i would want to be sure that if i'm trying to talk to these two creatures that I can talk to those two creatures. If that inspiration die comes up as a one, uh, then my whole plan is is screwed up. Yeah, and it's called universal speech, not random universal speech. Yeah, so it's you know it. I love it the way it is. You know, I think it's I think it's super keen. Uh, I think it's a perfect third level ability, um, especially for you know a bard of of this ilk. Uh, it's just a small thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I. Uh... I'm with. I actually have no opinion either way. I think it would work both ways just fine. I think I, I, uh, I can see the situations mm-hmm. in the random rolling of character, like how many people can understand. Because if you have a bunch of people that don't, that are like isolated and don't speak your right. language, and like you roll the die and everyone understands you, is a very different. Like like oh, it speaks our language. Weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas two, and then it's like magic. So then, like you could have those different situations pop up, but um, yeah. Yeah. from a play point of view, like I'm with you, like it, it's good to know kind of what you can do and what you can't do. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's not a big deal. Yeah, it's not a big deal. Um, soothing words that you also get at third level, which you mm-hmm. can cast the calm emotion spell without using a spell slot. Uh, a number of times per long rest equal to your charisma modifier. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's fine. Like yeah. it's 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 got some punch to it, but it's not it's not like broken or anything like that yeah it's people sometimes do not give calm emotions the respect it deserves as a quite a powerful spell in certain situations um if, if a creature you're allied with is frightened you can unfrighten them if they're charmed you can uncharm them um and if a hostile creature is about to attack you you can make them stand down for one minute 
um, or concentration, um, which can be which can be huge. You know, if you're in an overpowered situation and you need a minute to escape, <coughs> excuse me, um, this is a powerful spell. Yeah, I so agree. so yeah, but people don't realize, you know, at thirteenth level, the dragon comes, and for some reason, you're all frightened now, and no one thinks, "Oh, calm emotions uh, <laughs> can can rescue us from this," or "Oh no, the harpies charmed you know half the party." They don't, you don't think of calm emotions right away, but it's it's a powerful spell. So it, it's a really good, uh, not. It's not situational. It is situational, but it's a broader situational spell, right. and it's very useful. And it's only second level, so it yep. only costs a second level spell slot. Yep. And then having it, you know, as a bard, just in your Christmas modifier is probably like a four or a three, so that means you can cast it four times per long rest. Yep. So it's it's good. I like it. Um, it's it will be it will come in very handy for lots of parties. Um, sixth level, you get undeniable logic. So. You have to spend a bonus action and a, and a bardic inspiration, each of your bardic inspiration, then you can choose one of two things. You can either deal psychic damage to a creature that that they just take it, mm-hmm. and then, then they make an intelligent saving throw, and they get disadvantage to their next saving throw before the end of your next turn. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, or you can heal someone, a creature, with that, that inspiration die, and that creature then gains advantage to their next saving throw before the end of your next turn. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's fine. I don't know. Like, it's just yeah. a saving throw in a short period of time. Yeah, it's. I think it's perfectly fine. I don't have any qualms with it. It's perfectly sound. Uh, and it uses pre-existing mechanics. I mean, we had some quibbles with um a ability that messed with saving throws last week. Yeah. W- yeah. I mean, w- with this, it's. You know, you're using your bonus action. You're using a bardic inspiration. Um, there's a saving throw before you get the disadvantage on your next saving throw. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's there's a lot of steps in between. It's not just boom, you have disadvantage on your next saving throw. Yeah. Steps, steps and resources spent. Yeah, and it also has to be coordinated because it only lasts until the end of your next turn. Um, so. It's it's a limited duration. Yeah, I had a so. feeling that's how you would feel about it because of all those limiters. Yep. Uh, okay, so then at 14th level, you get Infectious Inspiration. So if a creature adds an Inspiration die to an ability check, an attack roll, or a saving throw, our standard D20 rolls, mm-hmm. and fails, they get to keep the Inspiration die. Mm-hmm. That's that's part one of it. Yep. Um, the other thing is, if this is the or. If a creature adds an Inspiration die to an ability check... Attack roller, saving thrower, standard D twenty rolls, and succeeds, then the bard can use their reaction to give inspiration to another creature than itself without spending inspiration. Yep. Uh, this reaction ability, you can use it as many times as you have a charisma modifier. Like, so if you're charisma's plus four, then you can use it four times per long rest. Yep. Uh, I yeah, think, it's. I think it's good. Yeah, it's good. It it gives. You know, you're not going to run out of inspiration as quickly. When you can bounce it from creature to creature, or if their uh, if their attack roll fails, you know, boom. I a lot of the bards that I've seen played are the valor bards uh, that let you add your die to damage. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that uh, you know, doesn't 
fit anywhere in here. Nope. It's not a success or a failure, right? It's just, it's a use. Also, it's also not on an attack roll, an ability check, or a saving throw. Right. Um, so it's just used, and then away it goes. Mm-hmm. So that's that's fine, too. Yeah, it's good. Like, I, I the design is solid. It's also, um, this is one of the reasons why you and I probably think this is Dan Dillon design, because a lot of these things are doing the uh, abilities per day thing, and it looks a little like Pathfinder. Yeah, a little bit. Or like 3rd edition D&D. And Dan was a very exceptional designer there, so it's good to see that some of that design sensibility coming this way. Cause it's it's useful here. It's u- totally usable here. Yep. Um, It's going to be funny if Dan didn't design these. Which well, is yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I'm sure... I'm sure no one solely designed these. Yeah. Uh, but everything that we've been seeing in these last three UA articles, uh, while not perfect, because obviously they need playtesting, uh-huh. um, are are really solid, are really sound. Absolutely. All right, let's talk about the Oath of Heroism. So this is yep. a paladin who embraces their heroic path. Yep. I mean, do, do paladins not usually embrace their heroic path? I suppose not necessarily because there's that um, one that's about uh, vengeance. So yeah, yeah, there's the oathbreaker. There's vengeance. There's yeah. yeah. So let's talk about the tenants real real quick. This is all the the good flavor stuff and the stuff that you need to obey so that you don't lose your paladinness. Um, mm-hmm. So action over words. Do things. Don't say things. Uh, mm-hmm. Challenges are but tests. So when you are come up against a challenge, you face it and you and you figure out how to solve it rather than trying to go around it. Mm-hmm. Um, embrace your destiny. So whatever it is you are supposed to do, you should just do it. Like and and, and, and be that. Like, all right, we're, we're going to kill the demon lord. Let's go kill the demon lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and hone the body. So you should be a physical specimen of whatever race that you are. Yeah. When I'm hearing this, all I'm thinking is, bro, do you even lift? <laughs> <laughs> hey, they could be runners. That's true. They, That's they could, true. They could be svelte. This is true. Do you even run? Huh? Yeah, huh? Bro, bro, do you even run? <laughs> so uh, let's talk about the oath spells. So the oath spells are pretty standard um, for the most part. There's two in there that 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 triggered my uh, my my. I wonder why they're there. So I went and looked them up, mm. which are enthrall and compulsion. And then I understood once I looked them up. So enthrall is about bringing attention to yourself, mm-hmm. so that you are the focus of attention and the target. So that's probably why that one's in there. Mm-hmm. And then compulsion is about you get to direct. Uh, people to move in specific ways mm-hmm. on your action. Right. Um, once again, another thing where you can basically make things walk away from, from your allies and towards you. Yep. And that's pretty much why they're there. I think. Yep. I think they're good. I think all the rest of them are perfectly fine too. Yep. No uh, qualms. Uh, Channel divinity. You get peerless athlete and legendary strike. I think these both fit pretty well. Uh, so, of course, it's a bonus action to channel divinity. And if you're a peerless athlete, you get advantage on strength athletics and dexterity acrobatics checks for 10 minutes. That fits mm-hmm. right into this pretty effectively. Yep. Um, and then legendary strike, that's a bonus action. You can crit on a 19 or a 20 for a minute. Mm-hmm. That seems fine to me. Yep. I have no issue with that, especially with what's coming. Yep. Mighty Deed. So this is the seventh seventh level paladin ability. So there's a trigger. Um, If you crit or you reduce a creature to zero hit points, creatures up to your cha modifier within 30 feet of you gain one of the following. Uh, Temporary hit points equal to a D6 plus your charisma modifier, or they have to succeed on a wisdom saving throw or be frightened till the start of your next turn. Mm -hmm. I I think it's good. 
Yeah, I, I mean, it, it it's not something that's there all the time because you either need to crit or reduce a creature to zero hit points. Yeah, and you have and, to do it. Yep, and then if you do, you can scare your enemies or you can boost your allies. All good. Yeah, it's it fits right in the theme pretty well. Mm-hmm. Now, um, the, and the cool thing is you have to choose one or the other. You can't do both. So you can either give your allies um, the temp hit points or you can frighten your enemies, but you can't do both. No, that's, that makes it even better because it's a choice, yep. right? Yep. Uh, okay, so the next one is Glorious Defense at 15th. So now remind everybody, this is a Tier 3 ability. These things should be pretty pretty potent. And I, I actually yeah. did check these against some of the other 15th level abilities for Paladins. It's mm-hmm. pretty, in, in my opinion, it's pretty in line, but here it is. Yep. So uh, the trigger is you have to hit with an attack roll. Um, when you do that, you can... Uh, you have to be hit with an attack roll. Sorry. Mm-hmm. When you are hit, you can use your reaction to gain a bonus to your armor class equal to your charisma modifier. Mm-hmm. Um, if the reaction causes the attack to miss you, the paladin, then you can turn around and make one weapon attack against the attacker. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can combo it with... Div- I mean, I looked up Divine Smite and I looked up some of the other stuff. So, like, it's pretty powerful. It's pretty potent. But, like, Sean, you your opinion hits it on the head. So go ahead. Yeah. Uh, at first, I thought, "Wow, that's really powerful," and I said, "Oh, it's a fifteenth level ability. Of course, it's really powerful." Uh-huh. Uh huh. So basically, you know, at fifteenth level, your paladin's charisma is going to be plus four, plus five. If you have, you know, magic, maybe even higher. Um, so you know, it's it basically each round, the first attack against you is, uh, or one attack against you is going to be against a incredibly super high armor class. Uh, so you use that ability. Oh, you you missed me. I use my reaction. Here we go. I attack you. Oh, I hit. I'm going to smite you. Oh, if I crit, I'm going to uh, I'm going to double the smite because we all know what happens when paladins crit. Uh huh. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's it's all good. It's all good. It's solid. It's flavorful. You know, it fits perfectly with the theme that they're going for here of this super heroic, you know, on a mission, my body is my temple and nothing's going to stop me sort of, uh, paladin. So yeah, it's very heroic. Yep. Um, and then the level 20 is living myth. So you spend a bonus action and you get a benefit for 10 minutes and it's once per long rest and you get to choose one of these and they are advantage on charisma attack rolls. Um, you can turn a miss into a hit once per turn. Uh, you can use a reaction to succeed on a failed saving throw. I mean, uh, it, it's fine. Uh, yeah, it's 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 advantage on charisma checks. Oh, is it checks? Yeah, not attack rolls. Sorry, I missed, okay. missed, must have missed missed that one when I wrote it down. Yeah, it's okay. No, I at first I was like, oh, cool, and then I just peeked over there. And I'm like, well, nope. No, that's checks. totally charisma checks. My my fault. Yep. Yeah, I assume that's but, useful for something. <clears throat> Well, I mean, it's if if you're trying to talk to the the villagers and you know get them to do something, yes, it's very at level true. twenty. You're talking to the villagers on an extra planner plane of existence in right. space, or or there's a meteor <laughs> hurtling toward this village, right? Or the Tarask is coming through, and oh, by the way, we got to get this, these villagers out of here. You know that sort of thing. Get up and evacuate the city. That yep. motivate them to to go away. Exactly. Give the speech in the wall against the oncoming demon accord. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, that yeah, that's that's this one. I have so little problem with most of these. So I mean, I don't really. There's not as, as you could hear from our our conversation. Like it's pretty good. Like this yep. is all good design. We're a okay. I would play this. I would play this paladin. Mm-hmm. And I would play that bard. I would play the bard too. That that would be a fun bard to play. All right, let's get on to the the main thrust of the show for the, today, which is uh, it won't be that long. We're just going to talk about the rest of the Acquisitions Incorporated book, which is a little bit about the adventure, which Sean actually wrote a bunch of it, and uh, the appendix, which is just a bunch of a. Uh, well, we'll get to it in a second. All right, so the um the first thing in there is it talks a little bit about an AI campaign. If it talks about the uh, the orrery of the wanderer, which is the adventure, which isn't an adventure as much as six adventures. Kind so, of, yeah. Yeah. It's a campaign. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a... Like, you can get some, some sessions of play out of this. Like, for instance, like, I just played my 12th session of my Eberron campaign last night. The mm-hmm. characters are only 6th level. They just got the 6th level. This yep. thing's supposed to take characters to 7th. You can probably get, like, a good... I mean, we only play for about 3 hours, so you could probably get, if you're playing for 4 hours at a time, you probably get a good, like, 7 or 8, 9 sessions out of this thing. Oh, yeah, at least. At least. Yeah, we were... When we... When we wrote it, we were figuring maybe, you know, two sessions per chapter or, you know, per session, each session taking you a level. So, you know, or, you know two each. Pa- six parts of the adventure, mm-hmm. each part probably two sessions if you run three or four hours. Yeah, so there you go. That's like 12 sessions of play right there. Yep. And, you know, some people play faster, some people play slower, but in that range. Mm-hmm. Plus any side stuff that you throw in there as as game masters, right? Yep, and there's plenty of side stuff that you could do. Um, so the idea behind an AI campaign, which they, they threw that in there, was like you want it to be unheroic irony. It's like kind of one of the themes. And mm-hmm. it's pretty funny right at the, off the bat how that comes into play. Uh, what's another thing that, that is a staple of an AI campaign? For me, uh, an AI campaign swings wildly between comic and tragic um or dramatic uh because these these are these characters that have gone into these AI campaigns are both comic and tragic characters right they have flaws have heavy flaws that can be played for comedy or played for tragedy um uh, depending on how you want so you know as you read through this adventure you'll see plenty of times where characters have have the ability to get into very funny situations or very terrible situations depending on how you want to play it mhm um you want to you want to keep going talking about and, it and so yeah so with an ai campaign what you can do is take a normal campaign where you have character arcs you have adventure plots you might have small subplots and then a larger you know overreaching adventure with an AI campaign you can insert into that another story of your individual franchise within the corporate structure of acquisitions incorporated mm-hmm. so it's just one more level that you can draw narrative power from uh, and if you want to downplay that and they're just a franchise and every once in a while they get a little benefit from the home office or the home office sends them information you can play that way right they, they can it can take on the air of just a typical faction um would take on in, in a regular campaign so you know the harpers help you out whatever um or you can just drive that corporate franchise 
uh, view of the campaign as as hard as you want and make that the focus of the campaign where the characters are are fighting to gain corporate power within this structure and that's the main thrust and everything else is just a a side quest of that quest and wherever you raise or lower the lever is where the focus of your campaign will be the ai uh campaign I think you want to keep that lever that that Sean's talking about kind of towards the middle or the high for the uh, the wanderer the ori of the wanderer because uh, there's a lot of AI stuff and downtime stuff built into the mm-hmm. uh, campaign that would be very useful and a lot of flavor from this book like there are all the factions and ideas and things are are baked into it so mm-hmm. that's my suggestion anyway yeah I'll talk a little bit about that later but but yes I agree uh, and then the last thing with an AI campaign is you, you are presented with a vivid and memorable, memorable group of NPCs that you can use in a number of ways. Mm-hmm. You can use them as allies, right? Omendron, Jim, dark magic, Viari, all of these folks, uh, you can use as allies as the campaign goes on. They may become enemies, right? If your group gets too powerful, and now you could walk in and you could absolutely smack down all of the higher-ups in Acquisitions Incorporated. They are not going to like that. <laughs> and the, the millisecond that you your characters become threatening in any way to them, or even if they don't, that could become a major plot. They, um, could. They, can be used, they can be used as foils, right? They could be the standard against which your group is... Um, scene, right? Uh, you could take fallout from things that they do, or vice versa. They could gain power from things that you do, or they could have fallout from things you do. So there's that interplay, and most likely all of the above, right? You're going to use them as allies, enemies, foils, um, in any way that you can to enhance the story that you want to tell with your players. Yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. Like that's how I would do it. In fact, the 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 adventure is built that way. Right. So, just we don't want to spoil the adventure. Nope. Um so we're not going to have any spoilers. We will just in the next couple of minutes talk about very high-level things with with the with the uh, adventure. But you're, you're, we're not going to spoil anything, so you can continue listening unless you want to know absolutely nothing about the adventure. Mm-hmm. So the adventure is uh, rolls out in six chapters. The first chapter, you should be level one. Second chapter, level two, and so on, all the way up through level six. So at the end of the sixth chapter, you should be fully at level seven and ready to get on with your adventuring career, wherever that may take you. Um the action of the entire adventure revolves around a powerful artifact called the Orrery of the Wanderer. And Orrery is one of those star system models that you see, um, like when you have high school, whatever, class, science class. And it'll be sitting there, and the sun will be in the middle, and there'll be all these arms coming out of the sun with the planets. That's an Orrery. So it involves, the adventure involves this magical item. And like many adventures, you're kind of collecting pieces of it to see what will happen. Mm-hmm. Um, well, now, not only are you trying to collect pieces of it, but other people are trying to collect pieces of it, too. 
Absolutely. So even if you remove all of the AI trappings from this adventure, there is still an adventure there that you can run for any group because it is, you know, it is your very tropic uh, collect quest. It's like a mini rod of seven parts. There you go. Um, now, what the adventure does, as Chris said, is it does specifically teach you how to run a campaign using these franchise rules that we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, it tells you how to let your characters pay for um, part of, of their, their buildings that they find along the way. It gives you NPCs that would be perfect majordomos or unskilled laborers or skilled laborers. It does all that um, stuff. Yep. It, it, you know, and it shows you what happens when there's uh, overlap maybe with other groups and, and how, how you might want to play that out. It gives you business opportunities that you can do in your downtime. Um, so it specifically not just you know it not just generally says oh on your downtime you can run a business it specifically gives you several businesses that you can interact with and become part of or own or run um, so all of that is there as well yeah it shows you how to add in new downtime actions between each each uh, adventure like mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of times where you're adding um, options to that to show that they can be added and the ways that you can do that. So all of that's there, and um, it. I tr- we try to start basic um, with the adventure. So if you have a new player, you know the the first adventure is a typical dungeon crawl. And I will say this: the the dungeon crawl at first level is tough. Um, the the premise is the adventurers are in over their heads. And so to show that, we had to make it a little tougher than maybe a typical first-level adventure. So just remember that if you're DMing and give them lots of opportunity to rest. Uh, you know, give Cut them a break every now and then maybe to show that even though they are in over their heads, they are a, they're, they're a special group and they may come out of it you know, because of of lunacy uh, rather than die from it. Because if you think of all of the all of the comedy over the years, uh, you know, from Abbott and Costello to the Marx Brothers to Dumb and Dumber, uh, the the protagonists in those co- comedic stories they succeed against all odds, not because they're smart, but because they're dumb. Right. <laughs> That's true. Right. And so if you're going to run a comedic campaign, you have to accept that premise and cut breaks where people do silly things. Well, not, the, maybe not just cut breaks, but also provide some amount of um, like reward for them being that exactly. way. Exactly. So even they might even though they might do the non-optimal thing for some reason through luck, through circumstance, that non-optimal thing is exactly what needed to be done to solve the, the problem. It's true. Uh, and so if you can do that, then you're embracing the spirit of, of Acquisition Incorporated or any comedic uh, narrative. Yeah, absolutely. 
So, so there you go. So um, just to not really spoil anything, but to sort of put it out there, we we talked about the orrery. Um, mm-hmm. Also, like this this adventure, like not that you can't reskin it in some ways, but it will put you up against a lot of the classic AI organizations and put you in contact with a lot of the classic AI characters. It's all done mm-hmm. on purpose that way. Yep, for sure. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much the rest of that. That's the adventure. Then the rest of the book is a bunch of appendices. Yep, you get Appendix A, which is uh, the Acquisitions Incorporated stat blocks. So if you want to know what level and what abilities Omen Dron, Jim Dark Magic, Viari, Morgane, Flabbergast, all the members of the C team, all the members of the B team, and the members of House Dron mm-hmm. uh, have, they are right there for you to use. Absolutely, they're they're right there. And then after that, there's some stuff about um. There's some stuff about, I had it up. Uh, there's some stuff about monsters. A uh, mm-hmm. bunch of the monsters. There's uh, some vehicles, things like that. There's a an appendix for the orrery and its components. By the way, I like the orrery because, just a, I guess one minor spoiler. There's, it does something. It has like a major detriment, but that is left up to the the game master to to like customize. Mm-hmm. So they can like, run. yeah, like any artifact would have. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not all uh, glorious. No, it's not glorious at all. In fact, it was terrible for some people. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, then and that's it. That's the book, right? Uh, there is an appendix with trinkets. Oh yeah. If you if you want uh, one hundred different trinkets that are a little different than some of the trinkets that you might find in other books. Uh, such as a non-functional immovable rod, um, and uh, yeah. Does it actually? Does the I, does it, is it like non-functional where it just like stays in one place constantly forever? Or well, it's you, up to you. It's up to you. I feel it's like non- the first time you turn it on, it never goes anywhere again after that. Right. You or you hold it where you want it. You click the button, and it just falls to the ground. Oh, that's funny too. Yep. <laughs> oh man, so yep. bad, so bad. So there you go. There that, we go. That is the entire book that we have covered. I guess we should move on to the end of our show then. Okay. All right. Well, uh, thank you, everyone, so much for listening. I'd also like to thank some patrons. Um, Eileen Barnes, Andrew Dacey, Andy Olson, Brian Kurtz, Christopher Gray, Craig Just Craig, Donnie Harville, Eric Bonds, GM Dramander, Jared Rasher, Jesse Edmonds, Jim Likes Games, John C. LeMay, and uh, John Carney, which I would like to say a uh, special thanks to John because he gifted me a uh, digital copy of uh, Descent in Avernus on, on, on D&D Beyond, so I have that now, which is a very exciting. I can't wait to start reading it. Very nice. Thank you, Evil John. Yeah, thank you not, so not, much. Not so evil. Not so evil, John. Yeah, right. Uh, speaking of patrons, if you'd like to be a patron of Down with D&D, you can click on the link to our Patreon page on the website, and for $2 a month, you can get yourself a shout-out. Or for $4 a month, you not only get that shout-out, you also get to see our very explicit pre-production show notes where we take all our wisdom from. And you also get access to our Misdirected Mark Slack room where you can chat with us whenever you want. Tis true, tis true. If you can't help us with a, a few bucks, then you can then you can uh, help us out by giving us shout-outs on social media or podcast reviews on like Apple Podcasts or the podcaster of your choice. Yep, those help us. Especially uh, Apple Podcasts, because even if you don't use Apple Podcasts, other podcatchers often use Apple Podcasts for their reviews. So mm-hmm. we appreciate getting a great shout-out anywhere. Hey, Sean, where can we find you on the Internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sean Merwin, or to our almost new, still got that new forum smell, um, forums at 
forums.misdirectedmark.com. Sean, How about you, what, what, do, what do forums smell like when they're new? Oh, they smell like victory, Chris. Oh, they smell like victory. Very good. Well, you can catch me at the Light 101 on Twitter. You can catch uh, the network and all the other shows, including Down with D&D, at Misdirected Mark on Twitter. Or you can just go to the website and leave a comment. We've gotten a bunch of them there. In fact, next episode, I'll probably be collecting some of those. Uh, and you, but you can also catch other great shows, such as Pandas Talking Games. That's uh, where Phil and Senda, the, the pandas, they answer your questions about role-playing games from the perspective of normally one-shots and campaigns, but they will do altern- alternative perspectives now and again and talk about game design and a bunch of other stuff. And it's always very silly. Mm-hmm. Down with D&D is a misdirected Mark production, the media arm of Encoded Designs. So, Sean, what are we going to do now? We're going to go kill some Dran Enterprise goons. Nice. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D and D. Get down with D and D. Who's down with D and D? Down with D and D. You down with D and D. I'm down with D and D. Who's down with D and D?